Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about the return of the bird flu in Africa, and I tell you about an awesome dog breed. We then learn about two more of our favorites from Africa before diving into our animal of the week, who is a very unique looking little animal indeed. So let's get to it. Episode 63 of the Animal Addicts podcast starts right now. to episode 63 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your host, Allie. And I'm Casey. Wow, you switched it up. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Wow, you're throwing me, man. <laughs> I'm not ready to continue now. Um, today, we're going to talk about a whole new batch of cool animals. Uh, but first, what are what have you been up to since I last saw you, Casey? I'm moving. So thank you. Good night. I'm out of here. No, that's not what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I'm finally leaving San Diego County. Oh, that's right. You'll be in, oh God, you'll be in Riverside <laughs> County. Good luck to you. Dude, I went to college there. I know it. That's true. You're already used to it. Yeah, but at least I was on the beacon on the hill of the city. <laughs> Honestly, of the county. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I, stressful times, exciting times, both. Both. Yep. <laughs> yeah, got most things packed or thrown away. <laughs> That's always good, yeah. Yeah, so I'm living out of boxes right now. Yep, that makes sense. But you move, like, soon, right? Like, super soon. We're hoping. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I hope so. That's always a pain. And when that stuff gets pushed back, oh, yeah. my gosh, that's a nightmare. Yeah, because, like, most of the living room's pets. also in bo- now in boxes. Yep. And it's like, we can't live like this. Are you doing just, like, one U-Haul thing move? Yeah, yeah. that's what we're planning nice and then smaller things in my car and we have a bunch of cars so yeah that's right you have so many people so yeah. you should be able to get all that stuff like your 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 lizards and your you don't have a lizard i do don't you? have lizards. i was like wait you have snakes and turtles or a snake and a turtle mm-hmm. um so your reptiles i should yeah. say are going in your car i assume yes okay that's exciting mm-hmm. i think they'll like the upgrade yeah yay oh uh, seriously <laughs> And con- controlled room temperature. Yeah, AC, that's a big difference. <laughs> yes. One thing I hope for is, like, I want to get this thing called an ecosphere again. I tried it twice. It's a little glass thing that's enclosed. It's a little ecosystem with, like, little shrimp and algae in it. And it, you don't have to take care of it. It takes care of itself as long as it's in indirect sunlight. But the problem is you're also not supposed to expose it to heat, extreme heat. So it so would always get hot. It, yeah. And then it would die. <laughs> Global warming in a bowl. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I just gave up on trying to have those. Yeah, but now you can. Yeah. As long as you don't lose power. Mm-hmm. And it's not losing power during either a really cold or hot time. Yes. All right, well, our lives are really exciting. Casey's moving in. Hey, I get to have an indis- I Why can't I say it when I'm trying to? I can say it when it doesn't matter, and then suddenly I can't say it. Endoscopy. There we go. See how much easier was that right now? Oh my lord. Anyway, I am going to have an endoscopy. <laughs> Maybe if I pause before it, it works. Um, to find out what the hell is going on with my stomach. So yay, finally gonna hopefully have some answers and then actually treat it. So because clearly I'm not gonna be eating normally by Thanksgiving. So that sucks. Oh that no. Yeah, it sucks. I'm also working Thanksgiving, so it doesn't really matter it's just as well. That was the um, only good thing about where we've worked is we got Thanksgiving off. 
You did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not everybody did. Because I started in that department and I didn't. Um, anyway, but um, no, I work uh, Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving at my job. Because my job's open 365 years. Well, our location is open 365 days a year because people have to get their things done. And Do they? Well, we don't have to schedule them like a month out. You know, like if you want to like... If your knee's jacked up and you need an MRI of your knee, you don't want to have to wait forever, you know? Mm. Kind of messes with your life. Kind of yeah. like how I don't want to have to wait forever to get an endoscopy <laughs> so that mm. I can know, so I can finally eat. So the goal now is just to eat semi-normally by Christmas. That's my goal. I'm like, please just let me eat semi-normally by Christmas because I'm so done with this. Anyway, um, all right. Well, that's pretty much it. We don't have any animal-related yeah. stuff really this week, um, but... Casey, yes. you want to talk about something that looks like it's probably going to be depressing, which is on point with Casey. So yes. take it away. But it's on birds this time. Oh, that makes it different. <laughs> yes. So avian flu is back. Oh, good. We don't already have COVID and normal flus. Yeah. So recently there have been an outbreak of avian flu in South Africa. Great. Rather than humans being the victims, though, this outbreak is actually affecting the Cape Cormorant that is and that is a species that is currently suffering the most. And according to research by Kat Udinia from Southern African Foundation for the Conservation of Coastal Birds, also known as SANCOB, there have been over 12,000 cormorants that have died from the disease. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, the species appears to be suffering the most on Dyer Island, uh, the Dyer Island grading colony. This area is an important bird area. Because 48 species of bird inhabit the area, and 21 of these use it as a breeding ground. Oh. This includes several endangered species, like the African penguin and the Cape cormorant, of which there are about 35,000 inhabiting the island. And this epidemic poses a major threat to the birds in the area, and some researchers are advocating for the euthanasia of animals that are displaying symptoms and removing carcasses as a method to control the epidemic. Wow. Yep. And according to Sankob, there are at least 500 Cape Corants dying every day due to this epidemic. And despite these massive losses, this does seem to be an improvement on the situation, as previously it was about 700 birds dying each day when the epidemic started. Wow. The Cape Cormorant is listed as an endangered species by the IUCN Red List, with only 234,000 left. This species is endemic to the southwestern coasts of Africa, found from South Africa to Angola and Namibia. Not too long ago, Sankob had to get involved to help the species by raising 1,800 chicks that were abandoned due to reduced food resources caused by overfishing, especially in sardines, which is their main food source. Oh, uh-oh. so don't yep. eat sardines, people. Yep. We're stealing them from the cormorants. Um, so I never thought about this. So with bird flu, mm-hmm. what symptoms did they usually get? Is it like human flus? Like... Are they cough? It's upper respiratory, essentially, mostly? Yeah, you'll get discharge, heavy breathing, that kind of thing. Oh. So pretty similar symptoms. Poor little birdies. Mm -hmm. That's sad. Yeah. Would not want that job of having to go collect the dead bodies of them. Also, just having to see that many dead bodies, I'd be like, oh, Mm -hmm. poor little birdies. Yeah, I actually saw a bunch of cormorants recently when I went to the beach. They're everywhere. There are cormorants everywhere in the world. Well, maybe not Antarctica, but like most places (laughs) in the world. Yeah. This one's endemic to the southern region of Africa. Yes, this one's different, obviously. This yes. is the Cape Cormoran. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, that I was going to say it's exciting, but it's not. 
It's not exciting at all. It's sad. Um, but also, it's improving. Just, also, it is improving. Also, I'm like, what if it mutates and then we have another bird flu? Remember when I survived swine flu when I was in college? Like, I remember swine flu. Swine flu was a big thing. And there was a bird flu before that that was mm-hmm. a big deal. Except for none of them obviously turned into COVID. Yeah. <laughs> COVID's obviously the, the worst since the Spanish flu. But um, hopefully it sticks to the animals. Because I really want to be able to travel again, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I want to be able to go to Disney and not have to wear a mask and not have to worry about the fact that I'm touching everything. Like, when I go to Disney, I wash my hands a lot and I use sanitizer anyway. But, like, you're touching all kinds of stuff. You're 100% touching something and touching your face when you're at Disney. Absolutely, yeah. you're doing it. So, I'm just like, oh, I want to go back. I miss it. But also, until I can eat normally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> can't oh, yeah, anything. you have to bring. And you couldn't eat anything. Because no, you can bring food into Disney. Well, like, yeah, but... But there's nothing that's going to travel that I can eat. Yeah. I could try doing a sandwich. I could try doing a PB&J. I'm not really supposed to be doing that, but I might be able to get away with it. But that's that's my problem now. That's why I can't go anywhere, because everything I can eat can't be away from a fridge for more than, like, an hour mm-hmm. before I eat it. Yeah. So, I remember when it's I still, a disaster. <laughs> I remember when I was getting... Had my gallstones, <laughs> and I was still eating, like... Because I had no clue at the time. It's, like, stuff with cheese and milk in it. And of course, that will has fat in it it's going to make gallstones makes it worse yeah and it's like oh the pain at night it's like but i still what's going on i know and then sometimes it would be in the middle of the day it's like i can't move yeah you're making it worse dairy is pretty much the first thing to cut whenever you're any kind of sick but it's so yummy i know it's terrible i want chocolate so bad and it's all around me yeah and then we i still have you know because i went i did a big grocery shop right before i got sick so i have little ice cream i have little mini things of ice cream in the fridge in the freezer i have the little chocolate things because i can actually control myself with those like if i just have like a gallon of ice cream we're lost i'm gonna be (laughs) eating that every night and i eat way too much but if i get those little like the Carmelos, you know, oh my god, they're so mm-hmm. the, like, yeah, oh my god, those I can I can control myself. I have like one a week, one every two weeks. So I got those and like there's soda. And every time I open the fridge to get my chicken and my brown rice, <laughs> you're like a gym bro's diet. <sighs> awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm losing weight, but it's awful. And then yeah. and then I open the fridge and I see a soda and a cherry coke, and I'm just like, mm. oh my god. But I have cheated at this point multiple times. I've had multiple occasions. I have had a few Skittles because I'm like, I'm I'm just done. And right now, because of other like tests they have to do, I have to get off my um, probiotics for a week. Those were the highlight of my day, Casey, <laughs> no. because they were the gummies, because I'm using gummies, so they have taste. Mm-hmm. And now I can't have them for a week. I have read papers on those not being as effective. They're probably not as effective because as the normal Because it's the ones. coating that has the vitamins, and after time of it being in the bottle, it rubs off. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be better for me to do probiotic, which is pills. Mm-hmm. But right now... Because you can't have yogurt. Yeah, exactly. Cause, well, I can, but I, I'm still afraid to try. I need to go try the different milk replacement type ones, because I tried the coconut milk and it did not go well. See, so I my have to sister... try a different one. But I just am afraid to. I just don't want to... Yeah. My yeah. sister could not do what you're doing, because she, like, she has to have her yogurt. She has like a some every night. Oh, no, I usually do a few things of yogurt a week, but, mm. but yeah, I can't have normal yogurt, and then, you know, so I'm doing my probiotics, which I should be doing probiotics anyway, because it's just good to have, but, like, I can't have them right now, and I'm sure the gummy ones, I just got them, like, from Target, I'm sure there are better probiotics <laughs> than what I have, but something is better than nothing, I'm sure, yep. except for right now, and that's so sad, so in another week, I can have them again. One thing I like, because it's a nerd thing of me, is like how on the Chobani tubs, it tells you like the species listed yeah. on there. It's like, I like that. I know. I should find out which ones. I should ask the GI, too. I'm like, which 
which probiotics are better? <laughs> like, what should I be looking for? Because mm-hmm. I should probably get the better one, obviously, if there's issues. But right now, I just grabbed a Target. It's not even a Target brand, but, like, one I got at Target that's a gummy. I'm sure it's not. And obviously, it's going to have sugar and stuff in it because it's a gummy as well, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. But also, if you're normal, that amount of sugar is not going to screw anything up, you know? Yeah. It's not a lot of sugar. So... And they're so yummy, and I I look forward. I guess now I look forward to the day I can have those again. That's the first, <laughs> the first uh, mountain to climb is being able to have those again. And then I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna I'm so sick of it now that I have probably now at least once a week for the last two weeks, since screw it a couple nights and had like five skittles, slowly over time, and I haven't gotten like horribly sick. So I'm like, I'm doing it. Have you read the study on uh, the paper reports on like the Skittle flavors? No. It's so fascinating. So, spoiler, they're literally all the same flavor. I'm sure. But they taste different. Yes, that's because of the phenomenon of the different colored coatings tricks your brain. It's really cool. No, 100% they're different flavors. No, they're the same flavors. Like the same chemical compounds in every single color. It's just the coating that's different. They're slightly different aromas because of the coating, and that, along with the color, impacts what you taste. But they're all the same flavor. No way, because the lime ones are nothing like the grape ones. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, that's because of the color and the smell. I mean, maybe there's some chemical in the coating that then changes it so it has that taste. But I'm saying they are not the same thing. Like, I could reach into a bag of Skittles not looking at it, Casey, and I can tell you which one I'm eating. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Because they actually did studies on that where they had people blindfolded. They could not tell the difference. I mean, if I could eat Skittles without (laughs) getting in trouble right now, I would literally, because I still have a bag, because the bag obviously is still here because I can't eat a lot of Skittles. So, and that's a bag I bought before I got sick. That's how long it's been sitting there. But I could go in there and get that bag right now if I was allowed to. And I guarantee you, I could tell you which flavor (laughs) it is. When I'm not sick... We're doing that. And I, I will be able you to tell get you. it wrong. I bet you I wouldn't. Because I'm very sure I would know when it's a yellow one or a green one because I don't like them. Because <laughs> even when you eat them together, they taste different. If I just grab a handful and throw them in, they're different tastes. Yes, it's not but the that's same taste because of the other stimulus of vision and smell. I'm telling you, I'm taking a handful without looking at them, Casey. I don't know what colors. I probably yeah, have one of each. Yeah, but you can still smell them. And that impacts the taste. When I'm chewing it, though? Like, I'm going to smell it for this second before I stick it in my mouth. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. I will. Well, I mean, like, lack of smell just also affects your taste in general. But I could probably do my nose plugged and blindfolded and still tell you which one it is. We're going to do this. Look out for that in 2022 because I probably won't be able to eat Skittles normally <laughs> until then. <laughs> Anyway, we went off on a tangent. So it's sorry. Fun science. Um <laughs> sort of, but this isn't just science, it's animals and Skittles are not animals. Anyway. It's science though. Yeah, but uh, And some animals are used for the colors. Okay. We're just <laughs> make a Skittles thing one day. Okay, we'll talk about Skittles. Anyway, on to more exciting news. This is actually exciting. We're going to talk about another doggy today. And I was debating who to do, and then I just decided. Also, happy happenstance, um, this dog is native to Africa. It started in Africa. So how appropriate, because we're in Africa still. Alrighty, so the doggy I chose this time is the Basenji. And uh, Casey, how popular do you think they are out of 200? 62. You're fairly close, 87. Ah. 
Alrighty, so we're gonna get into a little bit of history of the Basenji. They're pretty cool dogs. So here we go. Of course, this is from the AKC. I will be posting it, so we will be um, good to go there. So, Basenjis are contenders for the title of oldest AKC breed. Paleontologists tell us that the first domesticated dogs looked a lot like Basenjis. They were already well established when they were brought up the Nile from interior Africa as gifts for the pharaohs of ancient Egypt. Like Cleopatra, which I went back and explained <laughs> the whole legend thing, which they think is not actually true. Anyway, um, so Basenjis are depicted in ancient Egyptian artifacts, and traces of the breed can also be seen in ancient Babylonian and Mesopotamian art. These once mighty civilizations collapsed millennia ago, but the Basenji endured as a semi-wild dog living at the headwaters of both the Nile and Congo rivers. African peoples prized Basenjis as versatile hunters with keen eyesight, explosive speed, and a highly developed sense of smell. Basenjis are known um, expert vertical leapers, a skilled development to, or excuse me, skill developed. Let's try again. A skill developed to scout prey in African grasslands. Um, and an African breed name translates as the jumping up and down dog. What? How, yeah, super, super inventive there. Anyway, um, Father Jerome Marola, a 17th century Catholic missionary to the Congo, left behind this written description of the Basenjis he saw living a f in a feral state. These dogs, notwithstanding their wildness, do little or no damage to the inhabitants. They are red-haired, have small slender bodies, and their tails turned upon their backs. <laughs> anyway, isolated in remote areas of the African continent for thousands of years, the unique Basenji went unaltered by Western fads and fancies. The breed that so impressed the pharaohs was pretty much the same as the breed that was introduced to the West in the late 1800s. Anyway, it goes on to say where they came into England and obviously America and all of that. But they're cool doggos. Um, going back up to their basic stuff, they describe them as smart, poised, and independent. They reach a height for the males of about 17 inches to the shoulder and 16 inches for the females. And about 24 pounds for the males, 22 pounds for the females. And their life expectancy excuse me, is about 13 to 14 years. So... As far as um, their physical, you know, stuff, they, I don't, that's not what I wanted. I want their actual, attributes. like, energy. Yeah, it's more physical attributes, really. I wanted, like, physicality, like, what they need for exercise, you know. But um, it doesn't want to tell me that. So, where did they put, oh, there they are. I'm like, where did they put all of this? Okay, there we go. Um, so, <laughs> I love that it starts with, Basenji are generally healthy dogs and responsible breeders, yada, the responsible screeners screen them for everything. But I just see Basenji are generally healthy dogs and then, like, five things listed to test them for. So, I find that entertaining. <laughs> um, so, you're supposed to, you know, check them for hip evaluations. I don't know what this is. I probably should have read it because it would have said something about it. Let's see. Uh, gene tests are available to identify carriers of Fanconi syndrome, a kidney disorder, as well as a as progressive retinal atrophy atrophy. Oh my gosh, I cannot do medical things today. Or PRA. Um, so that's a test you would do because they have all kinds of things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. They say they're generally they're an healthy. Older breed, so they should have that the, better genetics. You would think. <laughs> like they're saying they're generally healthy, but they're gonna screen for hyperthyroidism a type of inflammatory bowel disease called IPSID and canine hip dysplasia. But a lot of dogs have hip dysplasia. Mm -hmm. That's not new. 
And then, of course, the thing I just said a little bit ago. So anyway, you're testing them for hip evaluation PRA slash BJ1 DNA test. That's to check for the um, kidney disorder and stuff. Thyroid evaluations, ophthalmologist evaluations, and Fanconi syndrome DNA test. It's a lot of stuff, man. They may not be the healthiest of dogs. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be mixed with a lot of things. Although, I think the one that we had at work was mixed. I don't think she was pure Basenji. Yeah. Um, anyway, but they're cool dogs. And they have a short coat. So, you know, you just have to brush them to get their, their shedding stuff off, essentially. Um, and nails should be trimmed, as per usual. They're super energetic, inquisitive, and active. They require a lot of regular exercise to keep them from becoming bored. We'll speak to that. That dog, I'm just not going to name her in case, like, her parents don't want her name out there, but she was super energetic. Oh, my gosh. You had to run that one around a lot to get her tired by the time she'd go home. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so get them a lot of exercise. I love – every time I go training, I'm like, just train them. Train every dog. Let's yeah. see. I don't know if it's saying that they're difficult because some dogs like Shiba Inus can be challenging too. Yeah, so Basenjis are often described as cat-like, <laughs> which may not bode well for training them. However, they do learn readily in an encouraging and rewarding atmosphere. <laughs> Honestly, I know some cats that are better trained than some dogs. Oh, yeah. Some dog. Well, a lot of people just don't even train their dogs, especially yeah. if they're small dogs. They're like, oh, he's growling and biting. That's fine. <laughs> um. Anyway. So, yeah. So, those are the basics on the Basenji, of course. I will be sharing the link to our Twitter. And um, you will just have to go look for it because, quite honestly, I'm just not putting a link in our bio every single time we have a link for Instagram. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's just too much to deal with. So, um, AKC, Basenji, B-A-S-E-N-J-I, Basenji. They're awesome doggies. You should check them out. And they originated in Africa. So, what is that? Keeping it to our continent. What? Casey. Yes, Allie? What do you call it when a daddy dog stays home from work for an extended period of time to take care of his new children? I have no clue. Pupternity leave. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, okay, so now that brings us, though, to our um, our picks for this week, which were Casey's Choice, and I'm pretty sure he picked this category to pick this animal, yes. as per usual. So anyway, what is the category, and who's your pick, Casey? So my category was African Species Commonly Kept as Pets. I'm also going to point out that you definitely wrote African Species. I know. There's no I S. don't know why I didn't I'm correct it. I'm fixing it right now. Because Species ain't a thing. No, it's not. Anyway, okay, so commonly kept as pets, and your choice is? The Sulcata tortoise. Otherwise known as really big tortoises. Real big. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Tell us about them. Yes. So their scientific name is Centrokelly sulcata. This species is found along the southern edge of the Sahara, living in various countries, including Senegal, Mali, Niger, Chad, and Sudan. They live in hot and arid climates, including along the edge of deserts and dry savannas. And it is the third largest species of tortoise in the world, and it is the largest mainland species of tortoise. They're about approximately 76 centimeters long and can weigh 45 kilograms, though some of the largest males have been reported up to 90 kilograms. Which in pounds is? About 200. Yeah, I would say they're about 200 pounds, so. Yep. The only two species that surpass it in size are the Aldabra and the Galapagos, which owe their size due to a concept called insular gigantism. Meaning if they're contained to a smaller area? Basically, that's when traditionally smaller animals beca- evolve to be large okay, gotcha, on islands. Gotcha. Yeah. Like the squirrels on Catalina. 
They're big? Yes, they are big squirrels. Oh, okay. I'll have to go. I gotta go to Catalina in general, but. Yep, I've seen. They're all over. Go check out the squirrels. I'm like, squirrel, come here so I can see your size. Yes, and tiny foxes. Tiny foxes. They are also sometimes called African spur tortoises because on the front and back margins of the upper shell, also known as the carapace, are somewhat serrated. And in males, these marginal scoots on the front curve up more, and they will use these as they spar with other males for females. Oh, snap. And they will repeatedly ram each other until one of them finally backs down. There you go. And like other tortoises, the sulcata is a long-lived species with an average life expectancy of 54 years, and some of the oldest have lived up to 80 years. And due to their very hot climate, this species is crepuscular, which means they are most active at dawn and dusk. Mm-hmm. And during the daytime, they will spend most of their time in burrows to avoid the heat. And they are very efficient at digging and can inhabit burrows that can be up to 15 meters long. Dang. Yes. I've seen some of these burrows. They're huge. Dang. And they can go into them pretty quick, surprisingly quick. That's it's kind crazy. of funny to see. <laughs> Other ways they keep cool during the day is by flinging mud onto their backs. And they will rub their saliva onto their forearms and the evaporating water will help keep them cool. Hmm. How do they get the mud on their backs? With their they feet? Are very, yeah. They just oh, from scrape. like the back. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I envision it like an elephant that goes like <laughs> over the top on their backs. So I'm like, how are they doing that? But I mm-hmm. see they're just going to get the sides basically. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there isn't much standing water in their environment, so it gets much of the water from the food it eats. One of their favorite food items is succulents, which are adapted to store water. And they will also feed on grasses and a variety of other plants. The Solcala tortoise is listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List. The global population is currently in decline. One of the problems facing this species is the fact that it is very slow to mature. Females take about 10 to 12 years to reach sexual maturity. And males take about 13 to 15 years to reach sexual maturity. Hmm. This results in an estimated generation time of about 30 years. Wow. So the most significant threat for this species is habitat loss, which is estimated to account for 60% of the species decline. And climate change is another significant factor accounting for 25% of decline. And 10% of the species decline is accounted for by direct consumption of species and its eggs as food. Oh. And the remaining 5% is accounted for by exploitation in the pet trade. Hmm. This species does very well in captivity and breeds very easily, so there isn't much pressure to take them out of the wild. And this species does face welfare problems in captivity, however. People often get them when they are tiny and they're cute. They're really cute when they're babies, yes. yeah. But they don't realize you're going to have a 200-pound monster. Yeah. <laughs> they're not prepared to take care of it when it becomes around 200 pounds. And you're going to have to leave it to your children, most likely. So. Yes, very likely. So a lot of them end up getting abandoned, and a lot are in rescues. And they are, as he said, really good burrowers, so mm-hmm. they escape a yep. lot, too. Yeah, make sure you have a big old yard for them. A big old yard, and don't just have a wall. The wall needs to go mm-hmm. down below the dirt. Because yeah. <laughs> they'll just dig under it mm-hmm. and escape. Little little escape artists. Yes, they are. For being so big. I know. you. It would be surprising. Yeah. All right. That All is right. the sulcata. Sulcata tortoise. What? You've probably seen them, even if you don't realize you've seen them. <laughs> so... I'm going to be real with you. So my choice is a specific, because I went real generic, because I don't know the differences between these fish. I'm just like, that's a beautiful blue fish. So 
this is probably not actually my favorite, but what I wanted to do was a cichlid, an African cichlid that's blue and striped and pretty. So Casey chose one for me because I literally said blue striped, <laughs> a pretty blue striped cichlid, and I was imagining what I have seen before, which is not this. This is very cool. Mm-hmm. Also impossible to find a picture that does not have royalty attached to it, so sorry. Go look them up yourself, I guess. Um, we probably could find and take a picture of one at a pet store. If you can find them without them looking like sad and depressed, because the ones I found, their fins are all down. Yeah. And they are cool when their fins are up. They're cool because that little like edge on them. Anyway, we should probably like tell you about them first. So this specific one is the, I don't know if it's Demason, Demason? Demisons. Demison cichlid. And the scientific name is uh, Chindongo Demasoni. Yeah, I had to correct that because apparently it was under a different genus at one point. Oh, okay. That's fun. Anyway, this species is a relatively small species of chick. I'm saying chicklet now. I'm adding H's where it don't belong. My mom, when my brother uh, had his own cichlid tank, yeah. she would always call them cichlids. That's different. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a relatively small species of cichlid that gets to a length of just six centimeters. Oh, they're cute. Oh, where's my ruler? Dang it. Don't have it today. Okay. However, males are known to get up to 8 centimeters. It is also a relatively new identified, newly identified species and was first described back in 1994. The species is endemic to Lake Malawi, which is one of the African Great Lakes located between Malawi, Mozambique, and Tanzania. It is a species of African cichlid and can be found in the pet trade amongst other species of cichlids commonly sold as pets. African cichlids are a great example of a phenomenon in evolutionary biology called adaptive radiation. This is when a single lineage of organisms quickly evolves and diversifies into several different species that fulfill different ecological niches. Arguably the most famous example of this is Darwin's finches in the Galapagos. Are those the vampire finches? That's one of them. Cool. But yeah, it's one of the... Anyway, <laughs> it is estimated that amongst the African Great Lakes, there are now 2,000 different species of cichlids. In Lake Malawi alone, there are around 500 species, which evolved over less than 5 million years. Um, the adaptive... Ugh, I cannot <laughs> read today. I am so sorry, folks. This is a mess. The adaptive radiation in these cichlids displays the highest sustained rate of speciation in any group of vertebrates yet studied. There we go. This species in particular lives in stony reef-like habitat in the upper portion of the water column, usually only about three to four meters from the surface. Unlike other cichlid species, it is not particularly territorial or aggressive toward members of its own species. Also, if I wanted to have cichlids, I'd have to get these so they don't eat each other. Well, it depends on the species you get, because there's a lot of variation. Well, you can get ones that that. I'd won't like to have cichlids, but they're such dicks. You need to have big enough tank and all the rock hiding places. I know, but they're so mean. Don't, don't you have to feed all the cichlids fish though? No. Oh, okay, good. Actually, most people most people feed like some of their African cichlids too much. They feed them a lot of animal-based protein when. There's a lot that should be primarily eating vegetation for their protein sources. Oh, Otherwise, they get, get a form of bloat that um, can kill them. No. Yeah. I just want to be able to have all these fish tanks, but I don't want to have to take care of them. <laughs> anyway, mm. back to this this fishy. Uh, I've already forgotten how to say it. Demason? Demasons. Demason cichlid is known as a 
mouth brooding species, which means that after they lay their eggs, or after the eggs are fertilized, the female will scoop them into her mouth so they are protected from potential predators. Good job, Mom. This species of cichlid has been listed as vulnerable by the IUCN Red List. It is estimated that there are between 500 and 1,000 mature individuals left. And that is the Demison cichlid. Did I say it right that time? Yes. Good job. Three times the charm. Hey, Casey. Yes, Allie. Your macophagus. (laughs) (laughs) I just still know it. That's the important part. Okay. That's the important bit. Kind of random. Yeah, it just has nothing to do with this, but mm-hmm. I know it. So there you go. But yeah, so those are our um, favorite African animals commonly kept as pets. The sulcata tortoise and the demison cichlid. Also just basically African cichlids that are blue, preferably, because they're prettier. Because blue is the best color. Mm-hmm. But that brings us to our animal of the week, which is super cool this week. And our animal of the week is... Afusa. They're so cute and unique looking. And this one I do have a picture of, so there we go. Yeah, <laughs> continue on. And you can see them at the San Diego Zoo. Yes, you can. Take it away, Casey. Yes, so these guys come from the order Carnivora. Mm-hmm. And they come from the family Eupleridae. And the scientific name is Cryptoctoferox. It is an endemic species of Madagascar and inhabits the forested regions on the island. Lifespan of the wild is unknown, but they are known to live up to 20 years in captivity. Their body length is about 70 to 80 centimeters long, and the tail is near the same length at 65 to 70 centimeters. And they can weigh from 7 to 12 kilograms. And it is a carnivorous species that feeds on a variety of prey items like birds and rodents, but its major food source is lemurs. That part's not cool. (laughs) I think it's cool. But they're just such unique-looking animals. Yes. Anyway, continue. Yes. Fun fact, their generic name, Cryptoprocta, translates to hidden anus, with crypto meaning hidden and procta meaning anus. Oh, that makes sense. It gets this name because it has an anal pouch that covers it. Oh. So it would be hard to take their temperature? Like, what is the point of that? It probably it uh, hides the anal glands. Okay. That's weird. Why is that? The way this animal looks, why is that the distinguishing feature they had to go on? Some people are concerned with weird things. Okay, continue on. Yes, the Fusa has a very cat-like appearance, but is not a cat at all and is most closely related, more closely related to mongooses. I mentioned earlier that it is endemic to the island of Madagascar, and in fact, its entire family, the Euplerids, is endemic to Madagascar. They're around nowhere else. Who else are the Euplerids besides these guys? Other Malagasy mongoose. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember all their names, but there's only about 10 species. And this group is commonly known as Euplerids or Malagasy mongooses. And the species actually shares a common ancestor with the mongoose. A small population of this ancestor became separated and arrived on Madagascar around 21 million years ago and eventually evolving into this unique family of mammals. The Fusa is the largest member of its family and the top predator of Madagascar. Oh, wow. Yep. That's just a little funny. Because <laughs> they're like the size of a house cat. They're bigger than a house cat. Well, big house cat. They're longer than a house cat. Yes. But they're, like, not that big. Mm-hmm. It is also the only predator capable of hunting the island's largest lemur species. Who's the largest? The Indri. 
Oh, I'm not, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. They're not very common, and they don't do well in captivity. Ah, so okay. you will likely never see one unless you go there, even if you do. <laughs> Probably not. You might hear it. <laughs> okay. And even though it is not closely related to cats, they have conversionally evolved many similar adaptations. They have an incredibly long tail that helps them keep their balance as they move through the branches of their forested habitat. They also have retractable claws that they use to grip onto trees and to catch prey. However, unlike cats, cats, they have a flexible joint in their ankle that allows them to climb down the tree head first. Like a quadamundi. Yep. Yay. <laughs> also, while cats are digitigrades and walk on their toes, fusa are plantigrades and walk on the soles of their feet like bears do. They are primarily a solitary species and usually only get together for breeding. And when it is breeding season, a female will climb high up into a tree and below males will gather and compete with each other for mating rights with the female. And she will continue this behavior for about a week and mate with multiple males and eventually leaves the area. Then a new female comes into that area and does the same thing. Huh. And these breeding areas are sometimes referred to as mating trees. Okay, makes sense. And after breeding season, the female will make a den in something like an old termite mound or the hollow of a tree to have her pups in which she will raise them on her own. Poor mom. The mammal way. (laughs) The most mammal way. Yes. Not all mammals. Mm -hmm. And the FUSA is considered vulnerable by the IUCN Red List. The population is currently in decline with an estimated population of 2,500 in the wild. One of the major threats to this species is loss of habitat, as 90% of Madagascar's native forests are now gone. Another threat is the introduction of non-native species like civets, which now compete with it for food. And the introduction of domestic dogs and cats also threatens this species because they have brought diseases like rabies along with them. Hmm. They're also not particularly liked by the local villagers in Madagascar. Villagers often consider them vermin or as competitors, and sometimes they'll even think of them as predators of their farm animals. There are also a lot of myths surrounding them, such as people believe that their scent kills poultry, or that they'll sneak into homes and steal people's babies. Wow! Or licking a sleeping person that, that, that puts them into a trance and then kills them. Wow. I just... They cannot pick up a baby. No. That's not physically possible. <laughs> a baby could probably, like, do more damage to it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're yeah. really entertained to watch at the zoo yeah. when they, like, play and they're leaping around the trees. Mm-hmm. They're so cool. But anyway, I don't ha- Who is the crazy person who believes they're going to take your children? Like, there's always weird superstitious shit, like, they're going to lick them and they're going to get sick or whatever, but, like, they they cannot pick up a child. I don't know who's talking about that. Anyway, that's them? That is Fusa. They're really cool. Yep. You should check them out. One I'll have favorites. a picture. Um, yeah, I didn't know they existed until I saw them at the zoo, and I'm like, what is that thing that looks kind you of like an otter? You didn't even know them from Madagascar? I don't remember them in Madagascar. I've seen that movie yeah. like twice. They're in Madagascar. When I was a child. I saw the first one. I haven't seen the other ones. I don't remember them being in the first one. Yes, they are. Who? They're the little things. It's like, don't you remember the FUSA? The FUSA are attacking. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It was too long ago, man. That movie came out a while ago, okay? And I haven't seen it since it came out, so. Anyway, yeah, but that, that gets us to our Animal of the Week, which is really cool. So, um, 
This is why I could have done my pun now, I realize. I'm like, oh, I didn't have to derail everything. Yeah. We could have done it now. But our challenge today, Casey. Yes. Oh, I didn't grab, like, a paper to write down how many we get. Do you happen? You probably don't have a paper on you, do you? Do you? Fantastico, and I have an implement. What is this? Why is this, like, old chemistry homework? <laughs> Because uh, I, uh, organic chemistry takes a lot of work. Okay. I love <laughs> and I'm just... a hoarder. Okay. I'm like, but you still have this like random chemistry stuff. Okay. Yeah. At least I recognize it was chemistry. You should be proud of me for that yeah. since I did not take that up for Specifically organic chemistry. Okay. Well, whatever. A completely different animal from general chemistry. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I'm going to set that. I think I trust my new phone. So I think we can do this. All right. I'm trying to think how long we should go because I... I think we're just going to go for speed. So I think okay. we'll do five minutes, and we just want to get as many as we can. Okay. Um, I should have brought something to decide who goes first. Um, I'll let you go first. Okay. Because I feel like I'll have an easier time with this. Oh, good So Lord. what we're going to do is we're going to name dogs from movies. Okay. doesn't have to be about the dog. The dog can just be in the movie. So a character. All, yeah. So all Disney movies are up for, well, not all, but all dogs and Disney movies are up for grabs or non-Disney movies or live action movies. Dogs. Doesn't It has to be named, right? They have to be named. Um, So, for example, I'll use this one because neither of us probably would have used it. I like Clifford the Big Red Dog is about to come out. Were you going to use that? <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Yes, because I've seen that trailer about 20 right, times. So... <laughs> But you've got Disney, you've got all kinds of stuff to go through. Go back to, like, the 90s, man. There were a lot of dog movies back then. All right. Um, giving us five minutes. I think we can do this. I think we should be able to do really well. And even okay. if it was, like, a TV show, but they did well, a movie, it still counts, right? Okay. So I'm not going to name that one so that you have that one to take. Wait. All right. You're going first. Are we ready? Yeah. Get set. Go. Cujo. <laughs> Great. I'll leave you the easier ones. I'm going to say Penny from 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> And we can name multiple dogs from the same movie if they're named. Oh, That's God. Fine. Who are the most famous dogs, Casey? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, Lassie. Yes, there you go. I'm Jeez. trying to leave you those. Um, okay, I'm going to try to not do all Dalmatians right in a row. So I'm going to do Dante from Coco. Oh, my, my gosh. Which I haven't even seen. <laughs> Shadow from... Um... Oh, great. There you go. Oh, great. You can do the other one, too, now. Um, I'm going to say Turner from Turner, not Turner, who chooches the dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the Lady of the Tramp, the girl's not late. Yeah, that's her name. Oh, it, it is? Okay. Lady, that's what you're going with? That's fine. Yeah, and his name is the other name. Okay, I <laughs> okay. couldn't remember. You can do that one next. Okay, I'm going to say Benji. Tramp. I was like, you just had it, dude. Okay, Perdita. I'm going back to Dumbations for a bit. Um, Bolt. Good job. Pongo. I'm going to stick to Dalmatians for a bit. Doug from Up. Yes. Rolly from Dalmatians. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. You, you did they have to do the other one from Homer Bound. I can't remember. It's oh Champ, my, right? No. No, wait. It was no, close. Oh, my gosh. My oh, my gosh. <laughs> Chance? Was yes, there oh you go. Oh my god. There you go. Okay, I forgot which Dalmatians I've done. I don't think I did Lucky yet. <laughs> I'm doing Lucky. Oh, good lord. Um, dogs in movies. Mm -hmm. Dude, think old school. I'm trying, but I can't remember that far. One of the most famous dogs in a movie. 
back in MGM days. MG what? We're not in Kansas anymore. Oh my gosh, Toto. <laughs> thank you. Um, I don't think I did patch yet. Um Good Lord. To think I was going to give us 10 minutes. Thank <laughs> <laughs> goodness you did. Okay, you met this dog. Oh, Beethoven. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Let me just help you. Um, oh, I had someone else different in mind and now I've forgotten it. Okay, well, I'm just going to go back to Disney. Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver and Company. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm horrible. I know Toto and Be- Beethoven. You're not thinking of. Um. Oh, Airbud. There you go. I was like, there's also one that has like a gazillion movies. Um, let's see who do I want to go with. Let's say um, make a choice, Holly. Just make a choice. Um. I don't think that counts the dogs. I have to say Indiana because I named the dog Indiana. But that's not accurate. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm sticking with Oliver and Company. Tito. Good lord. Uh... See, I'm just having a hard time thinking of movies. Okay, there's a lot of dogs that die in movies. Usually they're labs. Dogs that die in movies. There's the classic, you know, traumatized children movie. And then there's a newer one. A newer one? Why can't I think? Oh. <laughs> Does zero count from Nightmare? Yeah, that counts. Okay. Okay, I'm going to say it and you're going to feel dumb. Old Yeller. Yes! <laughs> I knew there was another. But there's a newer version that they don't shoot, but, like, it dies. Uh. Oh my gosh. I did anticipate this going better, folks. <laughs> huh? I anticipated this going better. Really? Yes. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of dogs in movies, man. I can't think of movies. That's my problem. It's a movie with Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson. It's a book first. <laughs> Marley! There you go. <laughs> Okay, Sandy from Annie. <laughs> that is it. Did you say thank God? No. I could have kept going on Disney for like ever. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's see. Let me count. I didn't do it the proper hash thingy with the five oh why that was I realized like when I was like to ten I'm like oh no I've made my life harder one two three six okay it's not terrible so yeah um folks I'm sure you thought of a whole bunch of other ones I could have just kept going with with um, Oliver and company but there are a lot of dogs ma'am anyway what about Balto that we've talked about so many times <laughs> Gemma <laughs> and Steel, <laughs> that whole crew. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I thought that was going to go better. What if I did a cat one? Man, I feel like it would be worse. Mm. There's not as many cats. 
At least we could do all of Lion King. I would count yeah. cats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. You watch out, man. That's going to be one of them someday. Also, I, at first, I was going to make this be like just animal dogs and media. So it could be books, TV shows, or movies. And I was like, that's too many. That's too many options. <laughs> I narrowed it down. Anyway. All right. Well, let us know how you did, folks. I'm sure you were probably screaming things at, at the radio or wherever you're listening into your earbuds. <laughs> your earbuds, your AirPods. Most people have AirPods these days. Whatevs. Anyway, let us know how you did. That brings us to the end of episode 63. Thank you for listening. As always, we're your host, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast.